This is an ABC podcast. This year is the 10th anniversary of the Northern Territory Farmers Association. This organisation came about in 2012 after members voted to merge the NT Agricultural and NT Horticultural Associations. It was regarded as a very significant merger in 2012. To talk about the last 10 years and maybe what's ahead, I'm joined today by Ian Baker, who's been involved with the NT Farmers Association in many roles, the current president, Simon Smith, and Tom Harris, former president of NT Farmers Association. Thanks so much for coming into the studio. And we might start with you, Tom. Take us back to 2012. How did this merger come about? Well, it came about that we had the NT Horticultural Association, which obviously represented a um, part of the plant industries. Um, But it was in discussions with, I guess, the Northern Territory Government at the time and various growers that we probably needed a peak voice for all plant industries and that was inclusive of the um, ag sector. Um, so yeah we just started discussions, we'd actually started discussions I reckon it was probably back, I don't know, Ian might remember but probably back in about 2000, probably nine or eight yeah, about been going the... going on for a while hadn't it? Yeah, so, yeah. And then finally it sort of uh, it was forced to the issue I think. And... Yeah, so that was, it took a while to get there and then once we'd uh, made the decision, um, Kate Peake who was the um, CEO of the NT Horticultural Association at the time. It was really up to her to do the heavy lifting and, I guess, uh, make it make it happen in uh, liaising with the executive of the NT Ag Association. But, yeah, look, at um, after a, a fair bit of argy-bargy and backwards and forwards, we ended up with the, um, with, you know, a, a merged association. For you, Ian, why did the merger need to take place, do you think? Well, I was a bit ambivalent. I was the vice president at the time, and um, all this discussion around the board meeting, I thought, oh, you know, horticulture is that. Because there wasn't much happening in broadacre cropping at the time. And, I, you know, I just sort of said, oh, well, let it happen, see what happens. Because the broadacre thing was fairly small. Um, but if you look back at where we are now, um, for the first time in a lot of our history, despite a lot of failures, we've actually got a broadacre crop industry emerging. And, um, and Alistair Trier, who had been in the department at the time, mm. he actually said something to me that I thought was very relevant. He said, we've got a very strong NT Cattlemen's Association that's representative of Northern Australia. NTCA became a very powerful and very well-represented organisation. Yeah, because we've got to also remember the time. It's it's after the 2011 live yes. export ban. Yeah. Luke Bowen, the NTCA, yeah. in yeah. the headlines a lot. They really and rose the, in prominence during and that so time. And so NTCA was quite... And, and, and Alistair said, we need... A similar organisation in the plant industries, and I think I think um, I think it's it's worked out that way. You know, NT Farmers has become, uh, you know, uh, not 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 as powerful as big as NTCA, but but a similar thing. You know, quite a quite an influential organisation. Whereas before it's sort of a bit on the side, and it's horticulture, and oh, they're just all little fruit and veggie farmers. Well, now it's a significant organisation. And yeah, I think that's interesting. I just said then about the little farmers because that's really where I think the hort came from, as to probably now where the NT farmers, the representative NT farmers back in the day, a lot of things we were probably battling in Ian's early early days with NT Hort and my days with NT Hort, we had a lot of smaller growers. Yep. Um, so there was a lot of, um, yeah, I guess a lot of battling away, a lot of angst at times, but uh, things have moved. Things now, we've got a lot of larger um, corporate style farms, large family operations. But those and, smaller guys yep. are actually, I think, the reason why we've been successful. Agree. Start small, grow big. Yep. The history that's of the, the territory. motto, isn't it? And that's the, the motto, farmers. mate, and yep. it sticks. Yeah, yeah it sticks. Yep. And I think that's that's a lot of those. Not all those little guys succeeded, but all those guys out there started small and grew big. And now we've got a big industry. And the history of the failures of the past in ag have been where someone comes down and wants to start really big, and and they just can't sustain it. They can't. 
you know. So the, the, those little guys 100%. are very, very important. We've seen that time uh, and time again. Sorry, mate. We've seen it time and time again with that, that small becoming big. You learn the lessons. Yep. Start to you know, replicate your yep. business, maybe double your business, double your business, then you've got a large yep. operation. But, yeah, we've generally and seen failures when every time people come in big, big yep. ideas, it hasn't and worked, it, and yet we've had a really successful horticulture. That, that's the way the broadacre thing has developed. Mm. You know, it's lots of little guys, local guys in Douglas Daly having a shot, starting off with 50 hectares of cotton. Um, maybe then next year have 100. So they give themselves time to learn, even Tipperary, you know. It started with, it mucked around for three or four years with only little areas. So start small, grow big is probably the lesson out of the, out of this plant industry sector for a long, long time, going back to, you know, back to horticulture when it was very small. Uh, Simon Smith, a nursery background. Mm. What drew you to get involved with NT farmers and I guess ag politics? So I was actually on the board with Tom way back when at, Basically, NT Hort at the time had commodity groups, so it was a range. There was bananas, cut flowers, nursery was part of that. So my role was representing nursery on that umbrella organisation, and in time it morphed into NT Farmers, as these guys have explained. And that um, there was a point where um, there was a vacancy on the board, and there was an opportunity, and I was really interested to come back into it as well. Um, and there was such a great foundation that a, a number of people had set up. So I mean, it was a good stepping stone for me, and I, you could see the momentum the organisation had, particularly the influence it was getting at that time with government. And I think that's you know, a lot of small growers, but the, the collective had power, and I suppose it's you know, a little bit easier to come into an organisation you feel already has influence, and also had a you know a strong board and a, a, a basically a strong and positive outlook. And a big new event that it uh, was driving in the Northern Food Futures Conference. Tom and Simon, I think it's fair to say, Ian Baker, sort of it was father of food, yeah the food father futures yeah. and. There's even an award named after you now, Ian Baker. Can I, can I ask you uh, to explain to our audience the idea of Food Futures and what you hope it's achieved over the last few years? So it was built – we had – it was in a political environment. We had um, – the Liberal government at the time, federal, wanted to develop northern Australia. So we had Barnaby Joyce and Matt Canavan wanting to build dams and all sorts of stuff. We said, hold on. We're the guys who are here on the ground and, and we're the biggest agricultural farming sector across the north – and let's think, and, and we, we were very scared. Oh, well, I was concerned about we were going to get investors from China and start big and end up with nothing again. And we couldn't afford to do that. So start small, grow big was one of the philosophies behind Food Futures. But it was really about those of us in the north, both in the territory and in the Ord. The Ord guys became very important in this. Having a say in the way agriculture might develop in the north, rather than just relying on what the federal government wanted to do. And it, be, it gave NT Farmers particularly a platform for leadership nationally. So, you know, we've got NFF comes up regularly, um, and the cotton industry, the grains industry. They all now see this part of the world as having some hope. And we've got some, ag some broad acre cropping happening. And, you know, that's probably – Food Futures was influential in, in pushing that direction forward. Uh, Tom Harris, what do you think Food Futures has achieved? I think the – I think it was great to give a platform for the successes that we had in our region. That mm. was the thing. Often you heard a lot of talk about people trying right. to talk about some That's large right. failures. Yeah. But and we're talking actually, about failure. You talk yeah. about agriculture in the north, yeah. I had a fail. Yeah. 
That's exactly right. So we're able to put, you know, with the selection of the, I guess, the first um, speakers and presenters at the very first um, Food Futures that uh, Ian was a big part of organising, um, that was a real highlight to me, was showing these are the people yep. on the ground yep. that are doing it, they've invested, and they're actually continuing to invest. And some of them invested in multiple regions in our area. Yes. They might have been Kununurra. They also had investments in, in the Northern Territory, so taking some success out of Kununurra brought to the Territory. And that, to me, was been, yep. it was a great base. I think the other big part of Food Futures too, Matt, is that it gave us an opportunity to invite some of the, the federal politicians up here or the ag ministers from Queensland and WA, so that pan-north approach. Yep. But to have them here for often for a few days to actually see what's on the ground. And then that the, the Food Futures has evolved into the road shows as well. So we've just come come back from you know one in Queensland, we've had them in the Ord, we'll have one in Broome, Alice Springs, Catherine. So it's an opportunity to actually look at where those, where I guess where the future development lies and, and where the successes are too. And I, I, it, it's been a great vehicle for NT farmers to, it raises our profile, but it gives us an opportunity to get out to the growers as well, get out to those regional areas and to, to bring some significant um, speakers and, and interest groups to those areas as well and to show them what's actually happening on the ground. If you're tuning in, this is the Country Hour. We're talking about the 10-year anniversary of the Northern Territory Farmers Association, speaking to former President Tom Harris, the current President Simon Smith, and Ian Baker, who's done various roles with NT Farmers. Since 2012 and, and well before that, a yearly story on a show like the Country Hour, a farmer's talking about not being able to find enough workers. When mm. does this story end and how? Well, um, I might just jump in quickly. Go, there, go for it, Simon. Having yep. just got back from Timor, and that sort of suggests how far and wide we're, we're now spreading our wings to attempt to ensure we've got labour. But an interesting point that Ian made when we spoke earlier, Matt, is that despite the, the labour challenges that we've had, we've just had record years in mangoes and melons. Um, even on last year's stats, we're over a $500 million industry across the board. And so workers are, are cobbling together a workforce in the current conditions and making or bringing in record crops. If we can somehow get seasonal labour seems to be the, the key to large quantities of, of workers, bringing large workers or the palm scheme. Beyond that, I think individual farmers are finding their own bespoke solutions and I think that's really important that they, they'll need to continue to do that. The, the the demands for labour, whether they be through hospitality, aged care, elsewhere, are enormous. So solutions that work at your farm level are important. NT Farms, Paul Burke did an enormous amount of work on bringing that plane load, the first plane load into Australia of seasonal workers after COVID. We'll continue as an organisation to look at how we can produce solutions. But at the end of the day... Individual growers and businesses have to have to look at their own backyard. Or and how some they do farmers things. do it very successfully. I think the majority of them. I've got to I'll yeah, take my hat right. off to all of them. Um, there's not. There's some that have struggled, but they've still managed to have a really good year, particularly in mangoes, and you know, necessity sort of master of um, invention or whatever, and they they have they found a way, and they'll continue to find a way. It's interesting. But um, do, Ian Baker, do you think the country are still talking about labour issues in ten years' time? Oh, um, yeah, I think so. But um, I think I think what Simon said is right. Uh, you have to remember, we, we picked record crops this year. And we only did it because it was a workforce year. Um, and I think one of the challenges for farmers is to become good labour managers, 
good staff managers and um, and a lot of farmers do it well and they get people. I can remember when I was a young bloke working on a big farm in Queensland, celery and lettuce farm, and uh, and the owner had gone from a little farm to a big farm and he said the biggest transition he had to make in his head was managing people. Mm. Instead of just being a farmer, he now had to manage people as well. And you have to think about the way you deal with people. But, you know, despite all the problems... We picked a record mango crop this year and a record melon crop. What do you think farming in the Northern Territory does look like in 10 years' time? Tom Harris? I think it's probably... You're going to have all the same issues you've had. It's just a matter of how you, how you manage them, and I, I guess that's the, that's the reality. We're still going to have... You know, there's probably going to be robotics and all sorts of other surveillance and drones and all these sort of things, which will take some of the labour components. Tom, that's an interesting <laughs> one. Um. But... Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think that, look, it's the same issues. We've had, it was interesting, I'm just talking about the, the labour bit, um, going back to the NT, early days, the NT Horticulture Association, we had exactly the same issues. There were still labour labour problems because the, uh, man, uh, the uh, mangoes at the time were certainly a, a growing marketplace. And so, um, you know, you're relying on uh, flyers in the backpacker hostels. Um, those sort of you know people physically go and driving buses to yep. outside the backpack. Yeah, 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 you had to drive yeah, into town to yeah, pick up was, another couple of workers. There was, you know? no, there was no internet. We don't do any of that anymore. No. But biosecurity is still a big issue. Certainly for the yes, north, we've got yeah, to be very aware definitely. of those sort of issues. You know, like the, the labour issues, the uh, water, um, logistics. And again, when the labour um, ramped up, um, often sometimes the uh, logistics hasn't. Uh, or planning hasn't been good enough, and that's something now the modern farmers doing a lot better. They know they've got their crop, mm. uh, their estimates of their crop, when their, their peaks are going to be, so they're managing their labour in line with that logistics, because that's failed in, in the past, mm. um, and we're hopeful now there's better communication in all those sectors. They're, they're the challenges ahead over the next 10 years. What mm. about some of, I guess, the opportunity that you see, that oh, uh, we, we may see in 10 years? Definitely. You know, the cotton thing's going to grow, um, and because the economics work and the market's right, the economics and markets are a driver. The one that no one talks much about is forestry. Um, so Tiwi Forestry is doing a great job over there, and they've had their lots of ups and downs. But uh, the mo- mahogany, mahogany coming online. Set, yeah, mahogany's coming online, and there's there's more opportunities for forestry around the north too, just on rain-fed forestry, you know, utilising land that not necessarily irrigation. Um, but... You know, I, I think uh, the other thing is integration with the cattle industry. So we see in Western Australia um, a lot more people growing high-quality fodder to feed cattle, and that's transforming the cattle industry. And I know the guys in the yard told me a lot about that's what cottonseed will have, the benefits to the cattle industry. And, and I think there'll be, I think in the Territory, there'll be some lessons to learn from the West about um, feed in cattle. Um, I think you know that'll be an area of big integration in the future. I think you're right, Ian. I think there's a couple of other things that'll change, Matt, in, and we'll see in ten years' time. There'll be a lot of new varieties grown. There'll be yep. there'll be different mangoes on the shelves in supermarkets, and a lot of those will be grown in the territory. Yep. But Ian just touched on forestry. I think one of the well, I hope my great hope is that in ten years' time we're seeing a lot more uh, farming on indigenous-owned land. I think yep. forestry's definitely um, one of the, the great opportunities. But I, I, I'm hopeful there'll be other opportunities because clearly um, employment in those regional areas, opportunities for Aboriginal people. We've got some terrible social issues and some, some dysfunctional communities out there and without gainful employment, without those opportunities in the regional areas, it's hard to see that changing. And, you know, NT Farmers has, has I guess, pivotal in that space. We try and sort of work closely with the land councils and others to 
provide opportunities, but I, I would think within 10 years we, we should see some serious runs on the board in that area. Uh, new ag developments in the Northern Territory are often met with some vocal opposition. Is there a way forward for ag development that has the support of environmental groups? So I think one of the, the, the good things that NT Farmers um, attempts to do these days is to involve a range of interest groups in discussions. So a good example of that, of that is our water reference group. Now, water is, is a challenge. It's, it's got a lot of... Um, I think every person in the, the Territory has, a, has a, a, an opinion on water, all sorts of interest groups. So our reference group involves the land councils, it involves the Environment Centre, it involves the departments and power water and others because the conversations are a lot bigger than farming and it, we need to understand the perspectives of all those users yep. we need to understand yes. the perspective yep. of social license yep. um, because I think increasingly if we look back in 10 years time social license and our ability to um, legitimately operate will be determined by how well we we manage messaging almost every farm in the territory does a good job of managing their own property in an environmental sense, but often that's lost with sensational reporting or interest groups jumping up and down. So I think as an organisation we need to understand the issues. Probably 80% of the issues are manageable, 20% might divide, but we need to make sure we're front and centre of that conversation. And that discussion not necessarily is in the media. It may be done, it's probably, a lot of these discussions are difficult and are better done privately. Um, so, you know, running off to the media and getting a big media release isn't the way to deal with these issues. Um, but definitely sitting down and listening to, to other perspectives is very important. There's things we as farmers can learn from the environment movement, from the fishermen, and things that they need to learn from us about the way development might happen. So I think Simon's very, very correct in saying, how do we, instead of us just sitting in our silo, we need to engage widely. If I can, Matt, a plug for the last week's report on overland flow capture policy and so forth. I know Ian was part of that and David Chiravallo, but to me that was a, a, obviously a really mature um, policy development, if you like. I thought it you know, was, was considered, it involved all interest groups. It may not have pleased everyone, but I think we got to a point where it enabled farming to continue, but at a level and an understanding of um, you know, water um, take and so forth that, that was balanced and was appropriate. And I think that's important for us going forward, that we have a sort of precautionary approach. And again, it's that sort of start small, grow big, dams on iconic rivers, sort of large-scale clearing, those sort of things are no. going to set us aside from or set us apart from a lot of the, the NT population. And that's not what we want to do. We want farming to be accepted, farming to be seen as integral to the Territory's development, and we have a role to make sure that that's, that's the way it is and that people come along for the, with us on the journey rather than feel that we're, we're just, you know, profiteering or, or you know, yeah, environmental in, vandal. NT Farmers AGM is on next month. Anything special planned for the 10 years? Bit of reflection? Bit yes, of partying? get out there, is what I say. It's at the uh, Humpty Doo Golf Club, Friday the 9th, 9th of December. Yes, so we'll have a board meeting beforehand. But one of the big things we're doing this year, and another um, great initiative of Paul's, is that we'll flag some... You know, we've been working closely. We did our R&D survey this year, Matt, which... Uh, We've got 104 respondents. We've got some really strong data now on the, the needs or wants of industry. 
We're going to do a presentation or a number of presentations there, some on current projects, but also on what we're looking to do and how we're looking to influence RD&E going forward. So I think it'll be a very interesting um, evening for people if they'd like to come along. An opportunity to understand where NT Farmers looks to head in the next few years and to influence that discussion. Thanks so much for your time today on the Country Hour. Thanks, Thank mate. you. Okay, mate.